must say a very good morning. You are tuned into the 3CR Gardening Show. We are live in the studio this beautiful, misty Sunday morning. My name is Chloe Foster. I will be driving this ship this morning. And with me, uh, zooming in remotely from home, I have Craig Wilson of Gentiana Nursery in Alinda and Meryl Johnson of Country Farm Perennials in Neerham, tucked up safely at home. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Good morning, morning, Chloe. Everyone, it's just so lovely to be back. Meryl, it's been a while since we've seen you. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, Chloe, and all the gardeners. And uh, I have to make a little confession. (laughs) I'm sitting all comfortably tucked up on my bed, looking out the window, at the rain dripping off the silver birches, and it's really very comfortable. I wasn't going to dob you in. I'm glad you admitted that because I was talking to David yesterday, and the audio for Zoom is really good if you have soft furnishings around you. Yes. So he said, oh, Meryl can just stay in bed. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the lazy. Well, I am actually up, but I'm sitting on the bed, but it's a very lazy gardening morning this morning. <laughs> Is it misty down where you are? Yes, it is. It's, it's what the Scottish call a soft morning. <laughs> yes, it's Perfect. true. Perfect description. <laughs> yes, but not good for my tomatoes. I was just bragging to Craig that um, this year we're, we're giving the tomatoes the royal treatment because we were a total disaster last year. Didn't get any tomatoes by Christmas. And what's more, probably didn't get any tomatoes at all. It was such a bad year. When when do you usually plant them? Well, we cheat. (laughs) We plant them early and bring them up in the hothouse until they make a good sturdy plant. And I always apply the Melbourne Cup rule. Don't plant them outdoors until after Melbourne Cup weekend. So we applied the Melbourne Cup rule. We've got them in great big black plastic tubs bigger than pots big 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 but it gives them lots of warmth around the roots and they're they're carefully wrapped in plastic they're like little presents (laughs) (laughs) and i'm going to have tomatoes by christmas if it kills me (laughs) 
Well, you just missed me at my most glamorous. Oh, bummer. Dorking around the garden in pyjamas, synthetic <laughs> dressing gown, raincoat and gumboots. <laughs> Proper gardener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hoping yeah. someone will turn up in a, in a dressing gown to one of our remote shows one day. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can organise that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you traipsing out collecting plants this morning, I Craig? was, yeah. Yeah, I was. I've got a tray full here. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Meryl, how's Country Farm Perennials going? Give us an update on what you guys have been doing in the last, you know, year or so. You shake, shake of your head. Well, <laughs> Craig and I were chatting before we came on air and saying we've all had to completely transform ourselves to mm. adapt to the new circumstances. And uh, we've transitioned into what's called seedscape, and we're now mail ordering seeds all over Australia. But seeds that, you know, gardeners have really never been able to dream of before being available to the home gardener. So it's a combination. We gather seeds from our own plant collection and you know we've been known for decades as country farm perennials with mm. uh, uh, one well boasting modestly mm. <laughs> a wonderful <laughs> collection of hardy perennial plants so we've still got all of those and and we're gathering seeds from those but we're also importing seed for unusual and new things from uh, from Europe, from America, from Japan, from the UK, all over the world to, to bring to Australian gardeners things that they've just never seen before. And they're not necessarily rare or, or difficult. They're, they just haven't been seen before. So um, we decided that, well, we were having enormous difficulties with delivery of, of live plants. And it's very disappointing for gardeners to you know, be all excited to get their parcel, but it's been delayed for ages in, in the mail and the delivery. And we we ended up, we were actually hand-delivering, personally delivering to people. But that's a bit tricky when they're yeah. interstate and you're in lockdown. Yeah. So we decided we'd go into the seeds, and that's taken off like a skyrocket. People <laughs> are really enjoying it. So well, Seed raising so much fun. I love it. It is fun, Craig. I love yeah. it. It's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little miracle every week. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. No, and, and the seeds don't mind if they get a delay in the mail, so we can safely send them to gardeners all mm. over Australia, including Tasmania, which is you know great for the Tasmanians who are often restricted in what they can get because of their, their quarantine situation. What? It's yeah. still, the seeds still all go through the Tasmanian Quarantine Authority, but fortunately, very little, if any, disease is transferred by seeds. And so mm. we have to gain their approval for each particular gardener's order. But we've never had one knocked back yet. So the Tasmanians are absolutely over the moon that they can get all this stuff they've never seen before. And it's the whole so, spectrum, is it, Meryl? Trees, shrubs, perennials? Oh, we we concentrate on perennials, Craig, which, you know, mm. is our whole background and, and mm. reason for being. But we do venture into trees and shrubs and edibles. Good. But yeah. it's, it's really focused on, you know, stunning garden plants that 
a, a hardy, reliable, easy to grow in our conditions, in Australian conditions, but contribute extra design, colour, joy, mm. interest to the garden. So it's been enormous fun. Hard work, of course, to mm. sort of completely change your business over, but well worth doing. Mm. Because I used to fiddle around putting in cuttings from all my camellia species, and nowadays I just raise them all from seed. So much easier. Mm. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and lots of things. Lots of things are so easy to grow from seed. Um, We have what's called our scatter seed mix, uh, or or scatter seed varieties. Things which you can just throw the seed around in the garden where you want it to grow, and Mm. let nature take its course. Or if you want to get a really early start and, uh, you know, a more reliable start and be able to plant them exactly where you want them to be, um, then you can grow the, the quick and easy scatter seeds in, indoors um, mm. and then transplant them out when they're ready. And, and it's, they're good ones for people to start with because you get instant gratification, you know, within yeah. Seven to ten days, these little babies are popping up and, you know, it's something you've never had before and it's really exciting. But then people sort of go on, they, they get hooked, as Craig was saying, and then they go on to, to try more adventurous things. And, mm. and then you've got full-on bragging rights because <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the gardening friends are like, guess what, I germinated today. <laughs> Full-on dragging, right? <laughs> well, I think the most important thing, I think, with seeds is watering, isn't it, or the lack of? Yes, that's right. Well, yeah. it, it's so much easier these days because really quite inexpensively you can buy a temperature-controlled heat mat yeah. um, because with each packet of seed we give full instructions as to what the optimum temperature is for germination and yeah. um, you know how long it takes and all, all the tricks of the trade. Um, and uh, you can just do it the natural way on a a nice warm windowsill. That works just fine, but a really instant gratification, Mm. a temperature-controlled heat mat, which is, you know, 20 bucks. Mm. Yeah, or those little um, humidifiers. um, Humidifiers would be good, wouldn't they? That's right, and if you've yeah. got the, the little plastic lid on them, and it doesn't have, you don't even have to purchase one. You can just use a sheet of plastic works yeah. just as well, or or a pane of glass, whatever, um, and then just use a spray bottle to keep the surface nice and moist. And bingo, mm. they're up in <laughs> quite quick time often. Well, yeah, that depends what you're growing, I guess, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, that's right. You you start with the quick and easy ones, and then work your way up to the you know, the invent, what we call the adventures. Yes. <laughs> the adventures. Well, I, I've got um, Davidia seed germinating now, which I sowed last season. Yes. Yeah, so the, the full 12 months. Well, some some things, like Clematis, for instance, say they really like a period of chilling. Um, you know, they, they're not going to germinate until they at least think they've had winter. So you can do it the natural way and, and sow them and let them have a natural winter or you can just cheat and put them in the fridge. So That's right. <laughs> really dedicated seed raisers who are doing hundreds of varieties have to actually buy a bar fridge to keep all their seeds. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I use Siri for. Siri yes. reminds me when to take them out of the fridge. <laughs> yeah, that's a good really? plan. <laughs> yeah. 
can, I'm can an you... old-fashioned girl. I just write it on the tag. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> Craig, can you set a long-term timer on with Siri on your phone? Yeah, or do you just tell her to remind you on an X date? Oh, oh of course. That's yeah. so smart. I love it. Craig, yeah. that's so clever. I'm right. I'm on to that one. <laughs> yeah, it's because you forget. You know, they get... They get into the back of the fridge and mm. they get something, you know, a cauliflower chucked on top of them. And <laughs> yeah. And I've now um, discovered, because I do like to, to do lots of different ones, the baggy method, which is giving them the moist chilling that they like, but without the potting mix. So you, you just take a, a coffee filter, you know, those round paper yeah. coffee filters, which is nice, fine paper and you moisten it, soak it and make it nice and moist and and lay out the seeds on half of the pie, nicely spaced, and then fold it over, fold the other half of the coffee filter paper over the top to make like a sandwich uh, and seeds in in the middle of the moist coffee paper and then place it in a clip-lock bag. You can get hundreds, hundreds in a vegetable crisper. Yeah, you would. It, it, it saves a lot of space. If fridge space is at a premium, that mm. saves a lot of space. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be an addict to fill a fridge, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, some of us are, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> so what about peony seed, Meryl? Uh, peony seed really does require the uh, the chilling period. It, it's one of the seed adventures that, you know, you embark on. But it's actually highly successful to grow peonies from seed. Mm. And um, uh, there's, there's some people in Australia who are, you know, absolute peony nuts. Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, they, they do breed by, by crossbreeding and grow yeah. them from seed. Uh, I'm working in a garden at the moment with a lot of species peony, and I collected the seed last year, um, and I germinated a little bit of it. It wasn't difficult, but the germination rate's not high, but I didn't chill it. Yes, so that that chilling certainly increases your success rate. So you collect it and then chill it immediately? Uh, Yes. It it does vary from species to species, but as a, as a, a... you know, across the board guideline. Mm. If you if you sow it and chill it, uh, and it's got to be moist chill, not you can't just stick okay. It so out. it's in the pot. It's it's either in the pot or yeah. in the damp uh, coffee filter. Yeah. In the the clip lock bag. Yeah. And a good six weeks is, okay. is a good starting point for the chilling, and you'll get a much higher germination rate. I'll give that a bash this year. It's so much fun. You, That's right. You would yeah. need an extra fridge if you were if you sowed it and then had to chill it. If you sowed it in the mix, you're going to need a on your big fridge. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> that's why I was mentioning the extra bar fridge, but that's yeah. only for mad addicts. You know, if you've only got half a dozen little punnets in the fridge, it's it's not a major commitment. That's true. Space, but um, it, it's so much fun, as Craig was saying. It's just addictive. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm definitely not an expert on the perennials, so I'm learning so much right now. A peony um, seed pods, what do they look like? Do, do the seeds fall out easily or do you have to pick it off and 
let it dry? Well, you, you guys said to collect it straight away and sow them or put them in the fridge. You, you let it mature on the plant, and, mm-hmm. and they're really easy to see because peony they're seeds big. are big, and mm. peony seeds are big like peas. And so quite beautiful. Ah. Yes, they are. Yeah, you're right, Craig. Yeah. Uh, so they're quite easy to see, and they sort of look like a tricorn hat. There's three big seed pods, rather like a, a stout, a plump pea pod. And so you let them dry and just as on the bush, and then just as they're really dry, but be, before they split, mm. you just chop them off, put them in a brown paper bag, and store them up the back of the pantry somewhere so they fully mature. Mm. And once the pod is split and the, the peony pea seeds have, have dropped out, um, then they're nice and fresh and ready to sow. So and it, it probably wouldn't take that long once you cut it off in the, into that paper bag for it to dry no, out and drop it, no, a, you no. know, a day or two maybe? Yeah, a, a week is ample right. just to make sure they're yeah. all nice and, and dry. Yeah. I have to say with this garden, because I'm there intermittently, I missed the optimum time for pick them. Yes. And the pods had split open, so I was sort of scratching around You're on the ground. You're scrabbling around like a rabbit looking for <laughs> yeah. the, the picking up, And they're quite they're easy to see. Well, lucky yeah. it's a bigger seed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I picked up yeah. a lot, yeah. <laughs> so if we've got time later, um, Chloe, I'd love to tell people the story about the Ito peonies, or Ito, we should more correctly say, these uh, well, relatively new peonies that have been developed in Japan and have really taken the gardening world by storm. Meryl, let's get to it in a minute. What I'm going to do is open up the phone lines um, for our callers um, to join in if they have any questions. Uh, Obviously, we're still doing the remote format at the moment, so we can't have callers to air, but we have the wonderful Doug in the other studio who will take your questions and send them through to me in the studio and then uh, we can troubleshoot and chat through anything anyone throws at us. So if you want to call in and chat to Doug, the number is 94190155. And if our listeners haven't got that number in their phones by now, it should be added this instant. 94190155. We also have the text line up and running today as well, and that number is 0488 809 So the phone line's open. Give us a call. Say hello. Tell us your, ask us your questions, 94190155. We do have a lot of people that podcast the show, so if any of those that have any questions after listening to a show on a Tuesday afternoon on your run, uh, you can send us an email, and our address is gardening at 3cr.org.au. Or you could text in. Now, we had, before we get to your peony story, Meryl, I've got two things. We had um, Kate from Brunswick, and we think it's for this show, send a preemptive text that I can see on the screen uh, almost two days ago now. Um, asking about bare-rooted roses. So, guys, let's have a go at answering this before we get to the peonies. What a Kate from Brunswick, I planted bare-rooted roses for the first time in July, and as of cup day, all are in flower. When should I fertilise them? Also, should I use a palletised rose food or a foliar one, or both? 
Um, thank you for fascinating and informative discussions. Kate could be a podcaster. I don't know. What, so, what a very good question. Yes. What, do you, what are your recommendations for uh, roses, fertilising them? Roses, yes. Um, well, if they were planted this winter, and they've obviously taken well, <coughs> excuse me, they're in full flower now, so I'd be inclined to start feeding uh, straight away because this crop of flowers is going to finish. Um, you would cut those flowers off. The, don't let them go to seed because that takes a lot of energy out of the plant and sort of distracts its thinking from producing the next set of flowers. So as soon as this set of blooms are finished, deadhead them off and that's the perfect moment to feed so that you're setting the plant up with lots of energy to produce the next crop. Now, what fertiliser to mm. use? Roses don't really mind, truth be told, but if uh, you want to give them an absolute pampering, <laughs> they, they like a mix of food. So you could use something like, if I'm allowed to mention some brand names. Go for it. Okay, there's um, there's a sudden impact for roses. Yep. I've had enormous success with. I've also had great success with a product called Organic Life, which again is a pelletized fertilizer. It, it looks looks a bit like chicken poo pellets, mm. um, but roses seem to absolutely jump out of their skins with that. And the beauty of that one is it is organic. It's registered for organic use. It's really nurturing all of the, the microbacteria and all of the great population that is the gut health of the soil yeah. is being well nurtured by the organic life. Or you can use slow release fertilizers like Osmocote or Nutricote, etc. Um, Craig saying no. Can, <laughs> no. Please. Come I'd say give the, give the soil a treat as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think yeah. give the soil a treat the, as well. The organic pellets, you know, the sudden impact yeah. and the, the other types of pellets yeah. are generally better for the soil. You're feeding the yeah. soil well, too. I think exactly. Campbell's, or, Campbell's Organic Life doesn't have the glamour of um, sudden impact, mm. but it's, it's just as good. <laughs> That's a bit cheap. <laughs> I, I've actually used the organic life to enormous success. Really, Same. I mix they it up with dolomite. Out of their skin. Yes, I mix it up in a bucket with dolomite. For, for roses, Craig? No, I don't grow roses. No, because, because they're, they're never very happy here in Alinda. Is it Might too cold? Too damp. Yes. Yeah, I think it's too damp, and I think yeah. the rich acidic soil doesn't suit them. Yeah. They do, they do like that neutral sort of pH. So in yeah. places where you have got acid soil, Craig's tip <clears throat> of the dolomite lime is great. And, and dolomite lime, good to use at least twice a year. Uh, uh, it's a bit like fertilizer. A little bit often mm. is better than a great big dump yeah. all at once. Yeah. So yeah. with going back to our question about feeding the roses, now or as soon as you deadhead after mm. the first crop of flowers is yep. great. Yeah. And then another little setup sort of late in the summer to get them through the winter. And then you're on again, end of August, beginning of September. So three times a year is a good regime. Yeah. Under the often. mulch. Under, under the mulch. mulch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I hope that helps Kate out whenever she is listening. So thank you. Thank you for your responses, guys. Uh, before we get to your peonies, one more thing. Um, the Hurstbridge Garden Club just phoned in to let us know that they are having their plant sale today. It's on Main oh, Road in Hurstbridge from 8.30 till 1 p.m. Uh, native and exotic plants propagated by the members of the Hurstbridge Garden Club. So it's Hurstbridge is about half hour, 40 minutes from Melbourne. So if you're looking for something to do today, pop up there. Meryl, oh, how wonderful. What yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've got a few more community announcements we'll do in a little while before um, we'll wait for a few more people to wake up and join us. But Meryl, tell us about these peonies. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I thought it was a good topic for right now because they are in full bloom. And I wanted to especially mention something that's only just coming to the notice of Australian gardeners, but they are taking to them with great gusto. And that's, well, what's usually called Ito peonies in Australia. But if we were putting on our best Japanese accents, Mm. it would probably be Ito because they are a form of peony that was bred in Japan in the mid-20th century. Excuse me, and it's just a wonderful story about the resilience of gardeners and how the love of gardening can really get you through the darkest of times, which I think many of us can relate to. Mm. But the uh, the Ito or Ito peony was bred by a wonderful Japanese gardener, unsurprisingly named Mr. Ito, and in 1948. Now, put that in the context, it's only Goodness a, a, a very short few years after the dropping of the atomic bombs, the end of the Second World War, mm. the absolute devastation of many parts of Japan, and the occupation by the conquering forces, the Allied forces of Japan. So it would be fair to say, I think, that it was one of Japan's darkest moments but the, the love of gardening, the joy of gardening shone through. And Mr. Ito was absolutely determined that he was going to create a whole new family of peonies. <clears throat> His aim was to create a yellow herbaceous peony, which is superb cut flowers. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a great florist. He, he loved cut flowers. But this was the holy grail because there's never been a yellow herbaceous peony. It doesn't occur Mm. in nature. But just to get our our gardener straight, there were formerly two sorts of peonies, herbaceous peonies, which are gorgeous, big, usually very double. They can be single, but the the double, the the big globes of petals are the ones that gardeners largely favour. And these are the ones that die down in the winter, produce superb cut flowers, but no yellow ones. Well, in the other family of peonies, the tree peonies, which are the ones that have permanent wood all winter long, they don't die down. They're they're like a deciduous shrub. So always there for you to see with a lovely architecture of stems in the winter. And there's a beautiful one which in in the Western world is called Molly the Witch because no one can pronounce its botanical name. So we all just call it Molly the Witch. (laughs) (laughs) 
nothing witch-like about it, but it's... Anyway, it, its botanical name is unpronounceable, so Molly, which it's always been. But it's yellow. It's a beautiful lemon-soft yellow. So Mr. Ito decided that he would try something that was almost against nature. He'd try and crossbreed these two families of peonies. A little bit unnatural, but mm. he did it the natural way with his, his little soft paintbrush, his little Japanese paintbrush, and he took the pollen and put it into the... The, the flowers and saved the seeds and this went on for years, years and years saving the seeds growing the ones until they got to be flowering size and then selecting the best and his aim was to make a yellow herbaceous peony but what he actually got in these crossbreeds was a whole new family of peonies which I think very rightly were called Ito peonies after Mr Ito and by saving all the best of these seed raised progeny he developed something that had the woodwork of the tree peony huge flowers because many tree peonies have massive flowers the size of dinner plates so he got the size in the blooms they're usually semi-double so a beautiful form and he got this delicious range of colours in peaches, apricots, lemons, golds, creams. Some go into the pinks, but absolutely glorious range of colours. And with that, poor man died. And he never really got to see. <laughs> he died in 1956 and he never got to really see. The, the beauty of all that he created in this very dark time in, in Japan's history. But fortunately, America had developed a huge interest in Japan because of the occupation after the war and many war, Japanese war brides came home with the US troops and lots of um, souvenirs came home from Japan. They're beautiful arts, arts and crafts. So a, a, an American nurseryman heard about this Mr Ito, that he'd bred these amazing peonies. So he tracked down his widow and offered her a half-decent amount of money for his surviving plants. So they were taken to America and then they just absolutely took the gardening world by storm. So here they are now, Mr Ito's peonies are now here in Australia, blooming their heads off at the moment with these big dinner plates of the most gorgeous peachy colours, apricots and oh, all sorts of colours. And, and their habit is crossed between the trees and the herbaceous yeah, ones. Correct, Chloe. They're not quite as tall uh, as a tree peony. They've got a great shape, lots of foliage, so they make a, a beautiful rounded mound of foliage. Nice, nice um, structure of, of wood bear lots of flowers what also makes them interesting apart from the colours that Mr Ito was searching for is they actually bloom for longer and have more flowers and they continue to bloom with buds continuing to come rather than one big show and they repeat bloom as well so the whole blooming thing is a big improvement but their shape is lovely so they're usually growing to about 90 centimetres to a metre high. Mm. They're a little bit wider than their high, so they're a lovely domed shape and just covered in flowers. 
feed, 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 the same mm. as you do for any other peony. Um, so we were talking about the feeding and it's the same as for the roses. You can't overdo it, but yeah. you can definitely underdo it. Yeah. Um, and they make superb cut flowers and they're fragrant. So, I mean, what a hero Mr Ito was. It also, it, it gives people who want to grow the big flowers of herbaceous peonies yes. the opportunity to have them where you don't get frost. Yes, that's right. They're more they're more warm tolerant. They don't yep. need the period of chilling that the herbaceous needs. So, mm. and they'll grow also happily, particularly in hot districts with a little bit of dappled shade or afternoon shade. You know, the the, the routine advice is that peonies like full sun, like roses, but the etos, you know, can take that little bit of dappled shade and will even appreciate it in a you know, a, a hot climate. So they're, yeah. they're very adaptable in where they'll grow. Which and they like the dolomite. They do also like the dolomite. They like the same routine as the roses. Yeah. Meryl, fantastic story. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so fascinated. I love peonies. They're beautiful. I've never tried growing them, and I really I don't know a lot about them apart from the flowers they're, are stunning. They're but, just stunning. They're, they're easy to grow as long as they, they get the plenty of feed and some dolomite lime. Feed, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the tree peonies are so easy. And, you know, Ro- Roger Streeton at Long Acres, he planted them all over the garden, but he planted them up against rhododendrons, which is, of course, a... <laughs> Not such a good match. No. Why is it? So, because the, the, the peonies like lime and the rhododendrons oh, the They prefer acidic soil. Yeah. yeah. So, so I dug them. I mean, I've, I've never grown them before, didn't know anything about them, but I knew that they were never going to be at their best where they were. So I just put the spade under them all and moved them. Yeah. yeah. Too easy. Yeah. And oh, what's well more, the roots Craig. I left behind. Sorry? Well done, Craig. Yeah, and, and, and what's more, the roots that were left behind all shot. <laughs> so that I have it in now an extra crop. <laughs> oh, that's good. Guys, let's keep going. I'm just going to interrupt you for a second and remind people they are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name is Chloe Foster, and with me this, this morning I have Craig Wilson of Gentiana Nursery and Meryl Johnson of Country Farm Perennials. We have been talking about peonies and seed growing a lot this morning. Craig, I was going to ask you, talking about the peonies and the soil type just now, so yeah. roadies like acidic soil really yeah. high, you know, acidic soils are usually quite high in organic matter and nutrients, but mm-hmm. the peonies like a slightly more neutral to alkaline soil? Alkaline. You really mulch them in lime. Right. So you would have, because mulch is general, mulch and organic matter is usually more acidic, so you would have to add the lime to make it more alkaline, which is a really interesting yeah. little um, combination. Uh, you know, alkaline, alkaline is not usually associated with a lot of organic matter and, you know, rich, yeah. you know, nutrient rich sort of soil. Yeah, I, I mean, the dolomite, the dolomite actually, I think, takes a little time to break down and get into the soil because it's not processed, mm. um, but I, I use bags and bags and bags of it on the peonies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've dug it in before I planted them, um, and they've certainly responded. Mm. Yeah. And today would actually be a great day to spread some lime, put on yeah. the gumboots, put on the raincoat, and out you go because this gentle rain will wash it off the foliage and into the soil just perfectly. Yeah. 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 So do you use lime or dolomite, Meryl? 
We use dolomite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. All right, guys, we've had a couple of questions come through. Uh, a text message from Jimmy in Heathmont. Um, what does the rootstock for iceberg roses look like? He said he's had a sea of red flowers appear. They're quite beautiful, <laughs> so I'm tempted to keep them. There's still a massive white ones on the same plant. It's not my favourite rose, but it was here when we arrived. The red roses are covered, covering a gardening arch nicely. So the rootstock of the red of iceberg. Yeah, it is the rootstock. I would say that's shot most mm. most definitely. A sort of a deep plummy red is one of the favourite rootstocks that's used for roses grown in Victoria. It's a rootstock that's well adapted to our climate. So yes, the rootstock has shot. The flowers are very pretty, but resoundingly only once flowering. Yeah, so not recurrent. Not recurrent at all. Whereas mm. the icebergs, Craig's nodding his head enthusiastically, the icebergs are, are virtually unstoppable with, mm. with flowers until the very end of the season. Um, so my suggestion would be to make sure that you get rid of all that rootstock because it grows so vigorously. That's why mm. it's used as the rootstock. It's going to overpower and take all the nutrients away from the icebergs. So the icebergs will, despite their vigour, and it's one of the most vigorous roses mm. known to mankind, but the rootstock will eventually conquer it and, you know, take all its nutrients away. So to get rid of that rootstock, you have to dig down, find where it's sprouting, where the, it's budding from the actual root and carve it out with a knife. Um, to get to get rid of it. it, you may never succeed. In fact, mm. once they start shooting, it's highly likely they will continue to do that. So it might even be worth hardening your heart, hoiking them out, and instead planting a lovely red climbing rose that's more repeat blooming than the rootstock rose. It is important that the digging thing with the rootstock is very important to get it at the juncture. Yes. Yes, crazy. Where, yes. where it comes from the um, from the plant. Yes. Yeah, um, and I, I tend to break it rather than um, cut it. Yes. Snap it off. Yep. Right. Yes. So you tear that, that, tear that, that bud out. That's right. That that means you get all the little um, buds that form around the base of the branch. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Good advice. Well, yeah. Once grafted, once the rootstock of grafted plants has started to shoot. It's so hard to rein it back in, yep. and it's an ongoing battle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, lilacs is the classic. Right. <laughs> yeah, with privet. Uh, oh, is lilac grafted onto privet? Yes, usually. Wow. That, yeah. Yep, that, that's going to be a challenge. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, look, there's a couple of... I, you know, it's possible that the iceberg has shot and it does have, um, it is the rootstock that's flowering. Um, potentially a couple of varieties of red climbing rose that it could be growing anyways, Dr. Huey or um, Witcherana, uh, mm. red climbing roses, but probably likely the rootstock that's, that's shot. Good luck, Jimmy, and stay on top of it. Uh, Drew from Montmorency, guys, has called in with a, a number of seed-growing questions for us. So I'm going to throw them at you, and I think we'll just start talking about seed propagation again. Um, 
he wants to grow a lot of seeds from, uh, sorry, veggies from seed in his hothouse. Oh. How many years can he store the seeds for? Temperature in the hothouse. Um, his hothouse is um, heated from the sun. It doesn't have bottom heat. Yeah. Um, but veggie seeds and hakias and Illyria seeds, I can talk about those ones in a moment, but veggie seeds, guys, lifespan, yeah. temperature. Do you want to answer, Craig? Or no, you go, Meryl. I'm not, okay. not you know, completely okay with vegetable seed. Okay. Um, vegetable seed is best fresh. Um, you get a greater germination rate and any reputable... Um, you know, seed merchant will only be supplying you with fresh seed. So it'll be, you know, the, the previous season's harvest, the previous um, autumn, say, when the seed becomes mature and ready to collect. So you'll be sowing it within the next 12 months, and that will give you optimum germination. But for many vegetables, the seed will last for two to three years with a very creditable um, germination. We sowed outdoors with, with no help from a hothouse or anything some carrot seed that was three years old and it germinated very well indeed but the seed had been well stored and that's one of the critical issues too so a good spot for storing your seed um, that you might want to keep to sow over several years is somewhere that has a fairly stable temperature. Personally, I store them in the food pantry because mm. it's nice and dark, it's well ventilated, it, it's in the centre of the house, so it, it um, has a stable temperature all year round. So it's not getting wildly cold and wildly hot. That's what will slow down the germination rate of the seed. So veggie seeds, on the whole, are, viable, are very well viable for two, three years, and then after that you should either save some more from your own plants uh, that season or buy some more from a reputable seed merchant. But good storage will give you, you know, a two or three good years out of your seed because quite often you only need a little bit of it and you've got heaps left over. So store it well and it'll be good. An exception to that rule is parsnips. They have a very short viability so always best to buy fresh parsnip seed. Um, otherwise, a, a good period of time if well stored. Do you have um, some particular places you like to or you could recommend to buy uh, see veggie seeds from? Veggie seeds? D uh, Diggers Club obviously is one of the big ones, but is there some yes, smaller places you know of? Unu yeah, there's lots of small. If you go online and just type in vegetable <laughs> seed, Australia, yep. you'll get heaps. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> and well, well, what, I find with the, what I find with the seed when you're sowing it is that the night temperatures are what to look at. Yes. Particularly yes. if you're in an unheated glass house. Yes. Or, um, when, when the night temperatures come up a bit, that, that's good. when you put it down. That, that's it, yes. And, yeah. and keep it night. If it's in a, a, a hot house, an igloo or something like that, or even just a, a little, um, you know, sort of seed-raising cupboard that you have with a glass mm. top or whatever. Just just make sure that you well ventilate it during the middle of the day. So yeah. managing an unheated glass house for best 
seed germination or indeed plant growing is to make sure you well ventilate it during the day, open up, but then close up early before the sun has gone off completely so that you get some heat up to store overnight. That's so, right. Yes, close and up. And a, good, a, good, a few barrow loads of blue metal on the floor. I was exactly, Craig, couldn't agree more. If you yeah. can, when you build it, and even if it's just a, you know, a little box with a, uh, a core flute lid or something, which is great mm. for raising seeds outdoors, um, you can, if you lay in, yeah, a, a good, in the old money, six inches or 15 centimetres right. of, of depth of, uh, yeah, blue metal gravel is absolutely great because it absorbs the heat and then gives it off during the At night. night. Yeah. We did that with our igloos, just laid a big bed of, of yeah. the gravel. It can be granite chips or blue metal, whatever you can get your hands on cheapest, but a good deep bed of that, and that's your heat storage. And because it's usually quite moist too, it keeps the humidity up during mm -hmm. the day. You've, you've got that humidity coming out of the, the stone bed as well as the heat at night, and it actually helps keep it cooler during the the heat of the middle of the day as well. So that yeah. sort of a heat storage pump. <laughs> I find with the seed that you need to look at the country of origin of the plant you're growing. And if it's cool climate, it's probably better to grow it outside, but under cover. Yes. Where yeah, it's not going to get wet from the rain. Yes, that's, yeah. that's great advice. Yeah. Well, I um, hope that's helped. There was, uh, sorry, there was one more question that uh, Drew had um, was about temperature in the hothouse for cuttings of hakea and Illyria. Um, I, that would probably be sort of want to propagate Crazy. them more in the warmer months of the year. Um, it's too early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Rachel, I just bought my rooting hormone powder and I'm sort of building up to it. Well, <laughs> I haven't propagated hakea by cuttings a lot hakea are better they they germinate really easily from seed so if you could get hold of s some seed um and it's easy to extract out of the um the the woody fruits as well yeah. uh, Illyria needs it does need the temperature does need to be a little bit of warm a little bit warmer and you need that that um soft new growth it's, it's semi-ripe, isn't it? So it's, it's when the new growth is just starting to harden off. Yeah, that's right. And not too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. when, again, when I, yeah, when I was at the gardens, we, we do grevillea and hakea by cuttings, and a lot of the time we didn't use much hormone on them at all. They were very slow to strike. I think you've got Sue on next week. Yeah. Let's, She's an expert. Let's handball this to Sue because <laughs> it's been expert. a while. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I must. I find with the cuttings again, it's the night temperatures that you want to look at. But, yeah. Yeah, if it's in a, in an unheated greenhouse, yeah. When when the night temperatures come up a bit. Yep. So yeah, yeah. not in the depths of winter. All right, I must remind listeners you are tuned into the Three CR Gardening Show. My name is Chloe Foster, and we're having some excellent, informative, educational chats with Craig Wilson of Gentiana Nursery and Meryl Johnson of Country Farm Perennials this morning. I must get to some community announcements. I've trialled something this morning. We've waited until everyone is up and out of bed. Uh, I've, got a, I've got two passes to give away to listeners at the end of this. So 
The Yay Open Gardens, which has been organised and run by the Rotary Club of Yay, is on this weekend. Um, please take the opportunity to get out of Metro Melbourne and head up to the Yay Open Gardens. There's, it's $5 per garden, um, cash only. There's maps and addresses to the gardens on the Yay Rotary website. There's a number of gardens that are open in the town and there's a number of gardens open in the um, areas surrounding Yay, so a little bit further afield. The addresses and the information for those are on the yayrotary.org.au website, so please check that out. Uh, The Geelong Botanic Gardens are doing a um, guided themed walk on the 14th of November. It's a Sunday, 2 p.m., gold coin donation it's called changing plants and how um, and plant adaptations so the themes of that walk are talking about drought tolerance plant adaptations to climate change and talking about different strategies for us as gardeners what we can do to um, garden in the changing climate and, and perhaps even help mitigate that to a certain extent as well so that's run by and at the Geelong Botanic Gardens on Sunday the 14th of November at 2pm. Now, a really good thing, Open Gardens Victoria, uh, you know, they're getting up and running again. It's fantastic. There's a number of gardens open today and they've been open this weekend. Um, Virginia Haywood told me that she went to Ridgefield in Coldstream and Bentwood in Gruyere yesterday and she said they were absolutely beautiful. Uh, her garden is actually open through uh, Open Gardens Victoria on the 27th and the 28th of November. Uh, so that's Virginia Haywood's garden in Linwood Road in Seville. So heaps of open gardens for through OGV today. There's a couple in the Yarra Valley. There's a couple out in Mafra as well if anyone wants to go for a bit of a road trip because we can now and it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> And OGV also has a few events coming up too. So there's um, an urban garden design talk and tour in Hyatt on the 14th of November. We've got an online productive gardens workshop on Thursday the 18th of November. And Sunday the 21st in a couple of weeks' time, they're doing a self-drive garden tour through the Western Districts. Uh, Main focus is gardens in Darlington and Camperdown so that's from 9.30 until about uh, 9.30 a.m. until about 4.30 p.m. Camperdown Botanic Gardens William Guilfoyle trotted around that area of of Victoria as well uh, influencing the gardens up there so that's $190 for that day morning afternoon tea and lunch are included but it's a self-drive which would be absolutely lovely and we can do it now which is awesome For more information about what is happening with OGV events, Open Gardens Victoria, jump onto their website, opengardensvictoria.org.au, and there's got all the addresses and the times for all these different gardens that are open. So there's there's four open today, and there's some talks and workshops and a self-drive tour coming up as well. All right. The other event that's happening now too, we've finally got a, a, a date set for it, is the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and Garden Expo on the 20th and 21st of November. 
Meryl, you're going to be up there, aren't you? Yes, we're going to have all our range of seeds there for, for people to be introduced to. So Excellent. yes, I just can't wait. Uh, it's, so yeah, it's. I'm so glad that it's that they've been able to get it up and running. It's the same location that it has been run in previous years, which is 125 Quail Road in Wandon. Uh, you can buy tickets online. The web address is yarravalleyplantfair.com.au. Meryl's going to be there. Perennials and seeds is her specialty. There's a whole heap of other specialists that are going to be up there as well. There's talks. Everyone will be there. Yeah, yeah, truly. All the all the nursery growing garden industry is is actually going to be up there. We haven't had Mythicus. We haven't had any other gardening shows in the last few years. So this is going to be a pretty big celebration. Um, there's garden design workshops, um, talks on perennials, succulents, edibles different tools, there's 5,000 different varieties of plants that are going to be up for sale in all the different categories that we have. So natives, roses, orchids, all the different types of exotics. It's going to be, um, it's going to be such a celebration. So the 20th and 21st of November, Yarra Valley Plant Fair. Now, I hope Doug's ready. Um, we have two tickets to give away to our listeners today. Uh, so be first in best dressed. If you call up our phone now, they've got a few phone calls coming through at the moment, so you might have to, you might be, um, you might just have to be patient with us for a moment, please. We've only got one person taking the calls at the moment. Nine four one nine zero one double five. If you would like uh, a an adult ticket to the Yarra Valley Plant Fair, which is on the twentieth and twenty first of November. Oh. All right, they're the community announcements. Yay, Rotary Club uh, have got open gardens this weekend. There's heaps on the Open Gardens Victoria website, so please check them out and get moving around Melbourne, everyone. And Chloe, may I just urge people to go online and book their tickets for the Yarra Valley Plant Fair? I could be wrong, but I understand there's a limit on the crowd numbers. So if you just turned up, It'd be a pity if you couldn't get in. So do go online and pre-book the tickets to make sure that you're in. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So are they requiring a vaccination certificate? Or? I would believe... Look, I, I wouldn't like to quote. I'm not certain, yeah. but it, I would believe so because it mm. would be a, a... It's definitely a QR check-in and I believe that you would need to have proof of vaccination. But it's mm. all on the website, so go and have a look at Yarra Valley Plant Fair online and all will be explained. <laughs> is, yeah, it is explained there. I think there's some discounted tickets online too. Um, I, I haven't yeah. seen the vaccination, but I would be assuming it would be a, a double vaccination yeah. with certificate uh, proof as well. Yep. Yes. Bring it along. Bring it along. Definitely bring it along. Uh, we've had a few more uh, text messages come through, so let's get to them. Um, G'day everyone Ask Craig and Meryl I think this This is Roger Elliott Ask Craig and Meryl to talk about the components of dolomite And why it is good Oh do not mention my name Sorry I I should read the whole message (laughs) Dolomite and its benefits Yes sorry for that I just outed him Anyway Look, soil science is not my forte. Well, so, 
What do you know about it, Meryl? To my understanding, dolomite lime is so very good because it is a natural product. Um, it's, it, it's not cooked, you know, it, it's a natural product. Yeah. And uh, it's so good because it contains so many minerals and trace elements and it's very gentle also. That's right. It's, it's is, slow release. When, when you put processed lime on your garden, you do run the risk of, of damaging your plants if you get too much of it up against the roots or on foliage. Dolomite yeah. doesn't have those issues. It's, it's, it's just it's, ground limestone. That's it, and it's yeah. slower to release into the soil, and it, yeah. it releases more goodies. So it's yeah. kinder on the all all the the gut health of the soil, yeah. the microbes, and and the little critters that all live in there. Um, I've just had a red ba- a red battery light, so I might just have to disappear for one second. Please do that. Please get your charger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple more um, text messages come through. So question for you, Meryl. Um, Re the purchase of new seeds. Um, she's Googled and only found an old website. Do, you, do we have a new website yes, address for you or how we can purchase your seeds? Yes, we do, Chloe. Thank you to whoever asked. Um, Josie from Wonturner. Oh, bless her little heart. <laughs> it's, it's very easy. It's www, of course, seedscape. So all one word, all lowercase, S. W-E-D-S-C-A-P-E, seedscape.net.au. It's a, a new website. We're still, we're still building, still getting information there. But uh, every week I get new seeds up and uh, more descriptions of the seeds or, or of the plants and yeah. what they do. But it, it, as I'm building it, I try and get each entry to tell you about the plant, what there's lovely photos. I, I love taking, and David, my husband, we both love taking the photos. So there's photos of the flowers, photos of the plants, what it describes, what the plant does and is, and then it gives you detailed seed sowing instructions for that particular variety. And uh, as I say, each week the website gets better and better, but it's a work in progress, but, oh, it's fun. <laughs> and, and we look, we are getting gardeners from absolutely all over Australia. Um, it's so exciting. Um, we, As soon as people place an order, I reply to them and let them know when their packet's going to be dispatched because, as we know, the poor old posties have been under the hammer so much. Sometimes mm-hmm. it comes within a few days and... Sometimes it takes a bit longer, but the beauty of the seeds is if they're, you know, travelling interstate, etc., they really don't mind. And they're all, all done up in um, padded packets, so they're, they're nice and um, protected from either getting squashed or protected from changes in temperature too. So they're, they're well trussed up and padded, ready to travel. But each packet has a description of the plant on the front and then on the back, uh, there's a full description of the best seed sowing instructions for best success, and there's a photograph of the plant. So people actually really like opening their packets. <laughs> One lady emailed to me, and she said, oh, I just got my, my packet of seeds, and it was like having Christmas presents. <laughs> they were so beautifully, you know, decorated with the yeah. photographs of the plants, etc. So it's it's very exciting, and we're a real network. Yeah. You know, people... 
people write back to me and tell me what successes they've had or, or what tragedies they've had. And, you know, I'll tell them what, what I found out sowing my seeds. And it's a real community of, mm. of seed savers and, and seed growers. And as Craig was saying earlier, it's a very exciting world. Mm. Meryl, just give out yeah, that website just... again. It's with the seed raising, you just have to give it a bash. Mm. You know, it's. You I mean, I just throw stuff in. If it fails, it fails. If it comes up, yay. Yep. That, that's right. Yep. And, and it's not, you're not playing for sheep stations, you know. It's, it's, no. it's cheap. And you get so many plants. It's such a nice sharing thing. Mm. You can give heaps away to friends or, you know, make a great planting in your garden or use them for the, the school phaeton. It, it's a wonderful world of friendship and, and fun as well as getting plants cheaply. Mm. But just to give the website again, it's www.seedscape.net.au. So S-E-E-D-S-C-A-P-E, all one word. Thank you very much. All right, we've got a couple more text messages to get through. Uh, Wendy from Newport has suggested Seed Freaks is really good uh, website uh, or company for veggie seeds. Um, oh, good tip. Nice, lovely, small enterprise. Uh, question from Anne. Uh, she has blue ixias, nearly finished yes. flowering in a pot. Uh, does she feed them now or lift them uh, and lift them or leave them in the pot for a bit longer? Blue ixias. Yes, I, I grow these too. They're wonderful things and they're as tough as old boots. Yeah. Probably doesn't much matter what you do. <laughs> they're pretty good survivors. But if you were doing the, the full pamper treatment, I would just let them die back naturally. They probably don't need feeding now because they're, they're drawing all their nutrients back from their foliage into the bulb. They are a true bulb. Um, so once all the foliage has died off, I would tip them out and just clean the, let them dry, clean the loose dirt off the, because they have sort of a netty skin on them, like a net. So clean the bulbs so that there's no dirt adhering. Just leave them stored in a brown paper bag in, in your pantry uh, until it's time to plant them again. Or plant them in the garden and just forget about them. They're perfectly, they don't need lifting mm. or any special mm. treatment. I just leave my clumps in the garden. They've been there for years and years. And uh, every now and again, I dig some up and pop them up to sell or, you know, share them with friends, etc. So they're very easy located. If you just wanted to take the completely easy way out, just leave them in the pot and put the pot in a, a dry place where they're not going to rot out and, then let them come back, but probably better to either plant them in the garden or replant them because that pot will have run out, that pot area of potting mix in the little pot will have run out of steam by next year. So, yeah, yeah. probably better to plant in the garden. Yeah. The, the danger with bulbs in pots is, is, as Meryl said, moisture during their dormancy. Yeah, um, that's right. And if they get wet, that's the end of them. They're going to rot out. That's yeah. right, particularly yeah. in potting mix. Yep, you're right, Craig, absolutely. Mm. All right, uh, another question. Uh, we were talking about, when we were talking about gravel before, um, do you put gravel under or on top of potting mixed? Uh, a listener missed what we were talking about. Oh, what a good question. Um, a bed of gravel in your seed raising or baby plant raising area 
underneath the pots is a good thing because it's nice and clean. It stores humidity. It stores heat. Um, so evens out the temperature and, and humidity very well. For seed raising, a lot of people use very fine washed gravel as sort of you'd call it more grit. So very, very fine chippings and, and blue metal is perfect for that. Just make sure you give it a good old wash before you mm. use it so that the dust is washed off it. Um, and, and they just put a little sprinkling of that over the surface. And a lot of seeds actually love mm. germinating in that mm. gravel. Yep. If, if you've got a gravel garden or gravel paths in your garden, you'll notice that lots of things will just volunteer. They'll do yeah. it themselves in the gravel. Yep. Now, <laughs> okay. you guys were saying before that the blue metal and granite chips are good for retaining heat in a glass house as well. So to be on the, yeah. they're usually on the floors of a glass on house. On the floor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A and good quite thick. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Sue Stevens rang in uh, to give us some tips on hakea and Illyria propagation. So um, most Illyria, um, best by cuttings, don't want too much hormones because it can burn. Uh, and the second, um, second cuts of semi-hardwood is best. The soft tip can often, um, is often not successful. And hakea seeds are preferred or take tip cuttings, no hormones or a weak powder if you do want to use it. So thank you very much to Sue for calling in. So with the wood you select, you you just need to check it regularly with your fingers. And and when it starts getting a little bit firm, when it's not floppy. Roger and Gwen have always said that if it's firm and when you bend it and it just gently bounces back it's usually ready yeah. it's usually ready yeah. to be to be used so it's, it's the new growth when it transitions from soft growth into wood mm. that's that's the part of the plant that you use yep all right a couple more questions uh peter from morning from uh peter from notting hill sorry uh, he's loving the rain. They've had 120 mil of rain since Wednesday in Notting Hill. The garden is absolutely oh. loving it. Their devil's hand flower is especially loving it. It has hundreds of flowers on it at the moment. Now, I'm going to have a go at the botanical name here. Curantherodendron pterodactyl. Is that how you say it? That's a dinosaur. That's not a plant. <laughs> that's right. That's what I was thinking. Actually, Meryl, I was looking at that Molly the Witch plant that you were talking about before when we were talking about peonies. And um, the subspecies, it's it's got a double eye on the end, so which means it's named after someone. And it's the what? most, it, in the English translation, it must be Molly the Witch because it's M-L-O-K-O-S-E. W I T S C H double I, lower switch or something. Molly the witch sounds it's great. Polish <laughs> is it? It's a Polish it's, name. It's, it sounds Eastern European. It sounds yeah. very yeah. Polish. Yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> All right. A couple of other questions. So Lisa from Hawthorne's phoned in. When and with what do I feed geranium, phaeum, and geranium pretense with? Ah, now Craig, I know has brought some lovely geraniums in to talk about yeah. today, so I bet he's just the man to answer it. Look, I, I use the same thing that I put on the roses. 
the so so the my preference is for Campbell's Organic Life and Dolomite mixed up together. Most fertilisers will will do most different types of plants. Yeah, Yeah. I mean I use chemical fertilisers on my pots because it's cheap Mm. um, and it doesn't clog up the potting mix. But in the garden, always organic. Yeah, yeah, good. And geranium fame is not a particularly hungry plant. I've I've found it to be one of the most when I've got a really tough spot in shade where there's perhaps a lot of tree and shrub roots around, so there's a lot of competition. It's one thing that will do the job. It's a very hardy, robust, tenacious plant. Um, and but having said... Yeah. Sorry. Go sorry, Meryl. Yeah. Having said that, if, if you pamper it, it's really good. Oh, it's lush. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. lush. And particularly this year, because we have had some good, steady, regular interval rain. Mm. So it it has had a very good year. And the clumps are looking particularly lush. Um, You can get named cultivars of geranium phaeum. And uh, one of the things that uh, recent breeding has brought to the geranium phaeum family is some beautiful leaf markings. They've worked Mm -hmm. on the the uh, the patterning on the leaves, so they look like they've been stained with ink or or drawn on by a you know a Japanese brush painter. The foliage can be absolutely gorgeous, but the flowers are enchanting, and they come in a, a range of colours from pure white to the uh, the true species of geranium bayum, which can be almost black. They're very deepest, darkest burgundy. But you get lots of crosses in between the white and, and the almost black. And uh, if they have a happy place in the garden, they will self-seed and you will get those, you know, genetic crosses. So yes, you get all yes. sorts of lovely new flower colours and, and yeah. markings on the flowers, stainings on the flowers too, as well as the, the patterning on the leaves. So they're a fascinating family. And, and, and now, or not now, but in, perhaps in about three or four weeks' time, I get the hedging shears out and cut them to the ground. Yes, beautiful. When, when the first flush of flowers is starting to fade, and then and they'll come back and, and do it again. New leaves and new batch yeah. of flowers, and they'll just keep doing that all all through. That's right, and that's a good time to give them a feed. It is when you've done that cut back. Yeah, that's the, right. the little the little bonus for effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what was the second geranium that our caller asked? Pretense. Pretense. Ah, okay. Meadow Cranesbill, the blue one. Although it doesn't yeah. have to be blue. You can have no, white. a range of colours. A range of colours can be pink. And, and the one that I particularly like is striatum, which means striped, of course. And uh, in, in our seeds we have one that's called Splish Splash, which is uh, splashes of the blue, violet and sort of an ivory white in, in stripes running down yeah. the petals. Not, not regular stripes, so hence called Splish Splash. And uh, very occasionally, if I'm feeling generous, I'll release some seed of pink Splish Splash as well. And that's just delightful. As described. Splashes of colour, but pink mm. and ivory. Lovely. The pretense group is not as hardy as the phaeum, so they were no. a little bit more cool. 
Yeah, and more pampering. Um, yeah, and a little bit more moisture. Yes. Well, yeah. they're, they're called meadow cranesbills because they do grow in dampish meadows. So That's right. They, they don't mind growing with other plants. They don't mind. In fact, they yep. really like companionship. Um, I think that's right. They like to grow through things. They do. And they're yeah, lovely, and put, airy plants, which can grow through things very successfully. If you put them on their own, they tend to get too tall and flop. Yes. They, they like friends. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful growing through Euphorbia shillingi. Oh, what a sight that would be with the blue yeah. and the lemon lime right. green. Delicious. Yeah. 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 Good suggestion, Craig. <laughs> Well, I must, remind, at the same time. I must remind listeners, we'll get back to that in a minute, about uh, they are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Chloe Foster, and with me this morning is Craig Wilson and Meryl Johnson. Um, we're talking all things. Uh, we've, we've mentioned Hakea and, and Illyria, and I'm learning so much about exotic plants and seeds and perennials this morning. This is fantastic. Um, those Yarra Valley Plant Fair passes have gone, so congratulations to the two listeners that got in for those. Uh, we've got a question, Craig, for you. What are your opening hours at Gentiana Nursery? 10 till 5 every day except Tuesday. There we go, 10 till 5 yeah. every day. Please go up I'll and say hello. I'll just put my phone number out there because we've, we've, we've discontinued the landline. Mm-hmm. Um, so 0459... Triple nine, one five eight. If you want to. That's right, and it's taking a little time for, the, for that to sort of permeate through. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, now we're allowed to. I would highly recommend a visit up to Craig because he's just got so many interesting, different plants, yeah. and it, it's just a lovely way to spend an afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and then the hills are incredible. I mean, what a year for rhododendron. Yes. They are Perfect. astonishing. Yeah. Even the roadies, I live out in um, East Ringwood, even the roadies around here are, yeah. have been absolutely flowering their heads yeah. off this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, yeah, there's a thing in the hills at the moment where the roadies have gone out of fashion a bit. Mm. And I find it so sad that we have this tiny little pocket on this continent where we can grow them and we really should cherish them mm. yes, um, and be appreciative of them. Well, there's nothing quite as spectacular, is there? We, we've got a couple of very ancient bushes of uh, white pearl and pink white pearl. White pearl's beautiful, yeah. Very old varieties and, and these are veritable trees. Um, yeah. And, and we pruned off the lower skirts so that mm-hmm. we revealed all the beauty of the architecture of the trunks. In and fact, the bark. And the bark, that's right. Yeah. And, and it's how they should be seen as, mm-hmm. as trees. Mm. They're, not, they're not little puddings. They, mm. they are beautifully mm. shaped small trees and, and certainly the perfect size for, for most backyards. But there is nothing more spectacular than and this moment when the white pearls and the pink pearls are just completely clothed in flowers. Yeah. That's right. You can't see the foliage. No, you can't. No. Yeah. Even, even despite last week's windstorm, mm-hmm. um, can you believe the, uh, the windstorm sort of came on the Friday and then on the Saturday, Sunday, we had a film crew coming to film the garden. 
no. <laughs> Can you believe it? And of course, everything, including David's broad beans, which he cherishes, were horizontal. They were absolutely Last. flattened. Oh. Yeah. And all underneath the rhododendrons were carpets of colour as petals had been blown off. And we, mm. we sort of got up at crack of dawn and started raking and clearing branches and sticks and things so the film crew could get in. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we decided that we wouldn't clear the carpets of petals because they were just so beautiful. And then and I was so panic-stricken, you know, oh, all the flowers have been knocked off the rhododendron because of the carpets on the ground. And then I got a grip of myself and had a good look. No, you really couldn't see where the carpet had <laughs> come from. There was some flowers still on the rhododendrons. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, we've still got a few, a couple of text messages to get through. So Jenny in Frankston South uh, has a white standard iceberg rose, which was a pom-pom shape initially. Now it only sends out long, leggy branches up to a metre in length. What am I doing wrong? How can I get it back to a bushy, round uh, shrub? A big haircut in the winter. Um, as long as it's as long as it is true iceberg, that it's not long whippy canes coming from the actual rootstock. Just double double check that. If mm. you get red flowers, oh, oh trouble. Mm. Um, but if it is true iceberg, it just needs to be very hard pruned in the winter to get that round tight shape that you want. And then after the first flowering, again, do a really good prune. They are vigorous growers, so to keep that nice pom-pom shape, you need but to be handy with the, the shears. If, if it is doing that now, you could prune it now too, couldn't mm. you, without yes. any difficulties? Yep. Yes. A lot, of, a lot of roses send out those big water shoots. They'll just, they yeah. just go up and out, and they can... Yeah. Some people cut them off straight away. Some people leave them because they do produce flowers on them, but you don't have that nice lollipop shape yeah. with yeah. them. I mean, there, were, there was, at, at Long Acres, there's a couple of um, Alina which have survived, you know, my various purges and the deer. Mm. <laughs> um, and I dug one up and moved it the other day, and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. roses need to back hard. Yeah. Roses towards the end of winter, they need to be pruned, pruned back to, you know, Three quarters of the plant, cut it off. Vast Peter Cundall's the guy to watch. He used to what? Peter Cundall's the guy to watch for rose pruning. Oh, right. oh vicious, vicious. Yeah, yeah you can why. be vicious. They're so tough. Yeah. You want yeah. to cut it into a vase shape, um, cut out any crisscrossing branches that are growing through the middle of the plant, and open it up so you can get plenty of airflow, which removes uh, or minimizes the risk of uh, pests and diseases set, setting in. And take out the old wood. Take out the old wood, yeah. you know, cut three quarters of the plant away at the end of winter and then you should and it'll come back and it'll be all nice and fluffy and pom-pommy again. Yeah. And the, those long water shoots are really telling, they're, they're the new growth on the rose. They're really telling you that the rose is doing quite well. Mm. Um, it, it's a happy rose. So they're yeah. the new branches for the future. So look after them and cut out the, the old knobbly branches. So um, those water shoots, Meryl, you just shorten them back? Yes, just after they've bloomed, 
just take them back mildly during the growing yeah. season and then you yeah. can give them a good haircut in the winter. But they're, they're the ones the, you use for the next season. They're, they're the next couple of seasons flowers, yes, in the yeah. building. Yep. And All right. feed them. Peter from Notting Hill has messaged in again saying thanks for the shout-out to the Devil's Hand Flower. He got it from uh, Don T six or seven years ago, um, the family that runs your minor or your meaner rare plants. Uh, someone's asked for Craig's mobile number again, so that's 0459-999-158 if you want to chat to Craig and talk about what he's got. Um, all right, question for Meryl and, and Craig. I'm sure you can help out. Paul from Abbotsford. He's tried really hard to grow seeds the last couple of months. He bought good seeds online. He got seed raising mix, a mini propagator, a sprayer, and he even brings them inside at night. After two attempts, I have almost zero success. What am I doing wrong? And I'm really frustrated. A little bit early in the season. A bit too early. I'll be putting them in now. Yeah, but if he'd care to give me a phone call or an email, I would be very happy to try and help out because that's, that's not normal mm. and shouldn't yeah. be happening. And well, what do you think about commercial seed raising mixes, Meryl? Um, actually, I do buy very high quality, the best money can buy, yeah. seed raising mix for the reason that it is, uh, sterile of nasty pathogens. Um, yeah. If you make your own out of garden soil, etc., you may yeah. have weed seed in there for one thing, but you yeah. could also have moulds and pathogens and, and yeah. things that are, are going to damp off the seedlings. So I always recommend buying the best quality potting uh, seed raising mix rather than potting mix, seed raising yeah. mix, because it doesn't need feed in it. They, mm. they don't eat at that, that yeah. stage, they're only embryos, so, but it does need to be nice and sterile and uh, I also have just an ordinary kitchen sieve so that I can sieve it um, for when I'm making the little bed on the surface I, I make a little surface of sieve so it's nice and fine and then mm. use sieve over the top if I'm going to cover the seeds to, to yeah. give them a nice cosy bed uh, but, so what I'd do is I'd, <clears throat> I'd use a cacti and succulent mix or something really free-draining. Yes, that's a great... <clears throat> for the bulk great. of the pot. And then, and then I'd put seed. a bit of, bit of sand on top of that. Yes, make a nice And then bed. I'd put the seed on it and then I'd just a sprinkle of, of whatever coarse material you use on top. Yes, yep, no, that's, yeah. that's good. And, and the trick is to know whether it's a seed that germinates in light or a seed that needs dark to germinate. And Um, that that determines how much dressing you use on the top. Exactly. If it's a light germinator, you know, something quick and easy like foxgloves, they need light. So you you just press the seed gently into the nice bed surface that you've made, just with your fingertips pressing very gently. Um, Or you can use a little tamper if you want. Just, just to give them good contact with the mix, but not be actually covered. covered. So, it, right. it, to answer our caller's question, you know, with helpfulness, we probably need to know what sort of seed he's wanting to sow, mm. and yeah. you know, a bit more about it, so we can give useful advice. Because 
um, they do vary so much in what their little tastes and likes are. <laughs> yeah, and, and my my experience is that most failures result from some anomaly with watering. Oh, I'm glad you said that. He could be potentially overwatering a lot of seeds. That's right. A lot of seeds, yeah. we kill them by too yeah. much water, and, and whether what, it's what above or in the potting mix. Yeah, there's no roots in the potting mix, so there's nothing yeah. drawing the water out of it. So it actually yeah. often stays quite moist. And just because the surface of the pot's dry doesn't mean that the, the substrate underneath is, is dry. So I use a little spray bottle and a a little plastic cover over the seed raising tray just to keep the humidity up so it doesn't dry out so quickly. And maybe a morning spray and an afternoon spray, is that's more than enough. Mm. Sometimes you don't even need that if it's not drying, whether if you've got that plastic. Uh, lid on just to keep the humidity in and always when I'm preparing the punnet or the pot to sow the seed I plunge it into a water bath with the level of the water below the surface of the mix so the the moisture draws up through the mix by osmosis so you're watering from below so you know it's it's nicely moistened all the way through. And then from then on, it's just a little surface spray with a misting bottle as required. And it, you'll be able to visually mm. see easily mm. whether they need a little spray or they don't. Mm. And that, that watering regime also continues after the seeds germinated. You know, they're very vulnerable to damping off when they first germinate. So you don't want them too wet or they're, no. up, they're going to keel over. But on That's the other right. hand, you don't want them overheating and, and drying out. We're making this sound, sound complicated. <laughs> it's, really not. It's, it's not complicated. It's, it's just not, a, it, It's common sense and using your eye. Yeah. 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 And it's just understanding water. And I find when you, with the pots that the weight of the pot is the best way to test whether yes. it's dry or not. Correct. And, mm. and that, that'll tell you if it's nice and moist all the way through. That's if right. it's heavy, it's yeah. saturated. If you pick yeah. it up like a feather, it's too dry. You want to get that nice middle ground. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be delighted if, if uh, our caller could, you know, phone me or send an email and I'll help out as I can. So, yeah, Paul can jump on your seedscape.net.au website and contact you through that. Yeah. It's good to start off with something really easy with seed Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think so, and that that gets you intrigued. (laughs) Get some digitalis or something that's going to come up like a lawn. Even, you know, (laughs) petunias, um, parsley comes up pretty easily. Yeah. Those those sorts of little, little herbs, yeah. All right, a couple more questions coming through. People, we are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show with Craig Wilson and Meryl Johnson this morning. Uh, we're running through till 9.15. If you have a question, you can call up Doug to post it through to us in the studio. The number is 94190155. And our text line, which is very busy this morning, is 0488 809 um, For those that have any sort of longer questions or if you've got a photo that you need help troubleshooting with because we can't see images that are sent in via the text line. Um, We've got a lot of podcasters out there. If you have any questions for us, um, send us an email and our email is gardening at 3cr.org.au. 
Michael from Forest Hill says he's found that moving seed raising trays around while the seeds are trying to germinate can be detrimental to germination rates and he tends to leave them in one place. Would you yeah. guys concur? I agree with that. Yep. Yes, we're all nodding. <laughs> yeah. uh, and another question through the text line. Um, Kim is asking what seeds should uh, should they soak in hot water before planting and for how long? That's like how long is a piece of string? Yeah. A lot of plants in the pea family need a hot water treatment. Yeah. It's yes. usually about 24 hours. Yep. I don't know. Of, of, well, there's a, there's a lot of other plants that need hot water treatments, but what's coming to mind for you guys? Because not all seeds need, need a treatment at all or need no. a hot water treatment. That's right. No, things that are like peas, you can usually think, yep, you're going to need the hot water treatment. Um, now, let's describe accurately. We're not pouring boiling water on them. It's water that's been brought to the boil, taken off the boil, and then you drop the seeds in. Um, and you don't need to keep it hot. It, you usually let it stand overnight or for 24 hours. Lupins are a great case in point. Um, you get hugely much better germination rate if you soak the lupin seeds in you know, warm water. Uh, overnight, you don't need to change it. Some very rare seeds may ask you to soak for longer, and I find it's then better to change the water daily. You know, each morning you pour it off, boil your next lot of water, just let it cool off the boil and then onto the seeds. And it it's also a good indication whether the seeds have opened their shells enough to let moisture in because mm. the ones that have, uh, you know, expanded and opened up their skin um, mm. stay down the bottom and the guys that float, no, nope, you need some mm. more soaking. You're not ready yet. Or it's also a good treatment when you buy seed. Say, say like I bought some seed from a company called Rare Palm Seed. Yeah. And it was obscure plant varieties, and it was quite clear that the seed had been sitting around for a while. Yes. And, that <laughs> and that, that, then you soak it to regenerate re it. Correct, correct. Yeah. And, so, that, and that's just the same with things that need the moist chilling period. They need mm. the moisture and the cold to actually change their hormones in the uh, embryo of the seed and that opens the skin and lets the the moisture come in to um, allow it to germinate, to start, mm. to grow. But fortunately, we put all that on the back of the seed packet, so you, you don't yeah. need to work too hard to to understand about that, what, what you have to do to, to give you the highest germination rate. Most seed, if it's fresh, something will germinate, but if you yeah. can give it, it's, it's little druthers, it's likes and dislikes mm. catered for, then you get a really high germination rate. So I hope that... I mean, my, my, my feeling with seed is that if, if I'm sowing it from my own garden, I just sow it fresh the same day exactly. that I harvest it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, or yeah. within the week and then you're going... That's to, right. Yeah. It's like aquilegia seeds. They're a great case in point. If they're fresh off the plant, then they're going to come up like, you know, hair on the cat's back 
there'll be so yeah. many of them, you, you really don't know what to do with them. But if they've had to sit for a while, then they'll need the, the pretend winter, the little chilling, to mm. let them think, okay, I've had winter, now it's spring, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. I hope that answers that caller's question. They're a good one for beginners, columbines. They are. They're such fun. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to learn about. See, there's a lot of books out there about growing plants from seeds. There's heaps of information on the internet. I would highly yeah. recommend, yeah, bef- whatever um, genus or group of plants you're looking at growing is to do a bit of research into the particular propagation requirements that they yeah. have before you uh, before you start, or before, even before and, you And just them. do it, you know. It, it's not yeah. the end of the world if it's a failure. Yep. No, and, and choose the quick and easy ones to start with, and then yeah. you get so much gratification. Yeah. Oh, my God, I've just grown 500 foxgloves. <laughs> yeah. One of my first... One of my first... I have a constant lineup of failures. <laughs> yeah. it, it's relentless. But, but for every failure, you know, you get another pot that's successful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. One of my yeah. first gardening things I did when I was little, mum bought me a packet of petunia seeds. I was probably six or seven or something. I didn't know that one seed equaled one plant. So I had a pot. It was about 30 centimetres by 15 centimetres or something, and I sprinkled the whole seed packet across the whole top of the <laughs> pot, and they just went boom. <laughs> there was probably yeah. 500 seeds in that packet. And if, if you see a plant species where there are lots of hybrids, then you know that it's generally easy from seed. Oh, that's yeah. a great yeah. tip. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like camellia, you know, there's so many camellia japonicas. Well, they're dead easy um, oh, from seeds. We've got another, uh, got, yep, still on the seed, the growing plants from seed topic. Um, any tips for red-hot poker seeds? Rosie in Mitcham says her germination rate is miserable. Oh. Look, I'd be very careful of pokers that seed. Yeah, they can be a little bit weedy. That's right, yes, yeah. Yes. And then they and revert back to type very easily. Okay. Yes, so um, you may not get, the uh, in them, you may not get the children that look anything like the parents. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do all my pokers from division. Well, that's the interesting thing about seeds is it's passing on genetic material. So there's, there could be potential for differences in aesthetics and um, and Enormous habit. variation. Yeah. yeah. Enormous variation. So Japanese maples is a classic, you know, because there's so many hybrids mm. and then that group that when you put seed in, you're going to get a lot of variation. How do – question for you guys, though, with – and Meryl, like with the seeds that you grow, is – it's an, how often is it just pretty much true to type to the parent? Does yeah. It, do the – is some – Varieties vary more greatly than others. Mm-hmm. Yes, as as yeah. Plague says, um, some things grow from seed exactly true to type. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. true species, it is what it is. Anything else to cross with, so it is what it is. Um, but other things, um, well, like aquilegias, they're probably the most promiscuous plants on earth. Yeah, Halliburus, yeah. Yes, Halliburus. Or Halliburus, that's right. Promiscuous yeah. beyond all belief. So yeah. 
children are going to be all shapes, sizes and colours. Mm. But that's yeah. absolutely part of the fun. Yes. Now, you <laughs> absolutely part of the fun because you get ones that you just absolutely adore. And let's face it, there's so many of them you can cull or spot. <laughs> We're getting into tricky ground now, aren't we? <laughs> but ha having said that, Meryl, I mean, if you have Aqualegia alpina and alpina only in your garden and you sow Aqualegia seed, then it's going to be alpina. Exactly, because it's only had itself to cross. Yeah. But if, if you have many different varieties, then you're going to get a vast array, array of colours. Which is forms. just wonderful. But the yeah. other thing to do is to do, do it artificially and protect them from the bees, which is, yeah. you know, what we do to make sure that things are true to type. But mm. um, that's all part of the fun is what? Woohoo, here's a little <laughs> play with Jean. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've still got a little bit of time left. If anyone has some last-minute text messages or questions for us, the number is 0488-809-855 for our text line. Yeah. Um, we can't see images, so you can only send uh, the SMS messages to us. Uh, and our phone line this morning to speak to Doug in the other studio is 94190155. We're on for another five or so minutes. With the Nifofia, getting back to the pokers, different, different hybrids behave in different ways. There was one called Prince Igor that I bought many years ago, which has an enormous head, mm. um, and it's seeded everywhere. In the garden, so yeah, yeah it was immediately dispatched. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's others like, say, winter chia, the big winter flowering one, never had a seedling off it. Yeah. No. It's interesting. And some of them do, and some yeah. of them don't, don't they? So and, you've got to those, test them. Mm. And those if they self-seed, my my reaction is to get rid of them. Yeah. And and sterile hybrids are so good for that reason. There's no potential, but we're yeah. We're safe in the knowledge that the Australian Quarantine and Inspection Service are absolutely deadly. They won't they're rigorous, let, yeah. They're very deadly. They won't let anything into the country um, that's going to become a weed threat in the bush uh, in by way of seed. So everything mm. that um, we import in, you know, to, to bring new varieties to Australia... It's all through the quarantine service and mm. it's very mm. rigorously assessed. And they are ruthless. If there's one thing in the packet that they don't like, um, you know, in a whole shipment, mm. the whole shipment is gone. Mm. So if they're good. Yep. Sometimes a little too rigorous. Yes, but strength to their arm, they're protecting us. Yeah. <laughs> or a bush. Yeah, for sure. And, and crops. The, 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 what I say is that some things like, for instance, salix, they just ban the whole genus, the willows. Yes. Lots of them I'd like to grow, which are, you know, no threat. Yes, but they're all, yeah. yep, and they are ruthless. You're not going to get it in, Craig. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm well aware of that. Don't even try. No, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But thanks to all our callers. It's been such interesting questions. We, and it's just brilliant to be back yeah. <laughs> the seed show the seed show it's been really good getting on to propagating and talking about seeds this morning uh, we've just propagating is very topical yeah it is especially I mean it's, it's something to do in lockdown the last 18 months as well a lot of people have been propagating yeah. uh, we've had a and couple more 
couple more questions come through. Um, could the panel please repeat the name of the organic rose fertiliser we mentioned? So we mentioned two. Can you guys say them again, please? Uh, well, it's either organic life or sudden impact for roses, and both very good. Can you get the, the Campbell's so the organic impact, life from nurseries, or is it...? The sudden impact's made by Neutrog, yep. and that's pretty widely distributed. Yep. Yes. And the organic life's Campbell's, well, I, I haven't seen it around that much Campbell's oh, well, stuff is probably more in an agricultural supplies place. Yeah, I mean, I get mine from Muir's and Sylvan. But yeah. And yeah. We, we get organic life at our local hardware store in yeah. Nearham South, so just, just good hardware stores should yeah. be able to mm. at least track it down for you. And I think there's a number of firms that make organic life, so yeah. well, well And then think about the amount that you might use and then double it. Yes. Because you'll love it. <laughs> yeah, and also most people don't put enough down. Be generous. Be generous. Yeah, be generous, yeah. Uh, all right, a couple more things, guys. Uh, John Bentley, who's the president of the Friends of Melton Botanic Gardens, and they actually, well, run and build the Melton Botanic Gardens. It's an amazing uh, volunteer organisation. Their plant nursery has reopened for sales, which is fantastic. They're on 21 Williams Street in Melton, and they're open on Tuesdays and Thursdays and the second and fourth Sunday of each month uh, from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. So every Tuesday and Thursday from 10 till 1 and then the second and fourth Sundays of each month also from 10 till 1. Uh, an anonymous message saying, Brilliant Seeds Show, guys. And uh, Nicola from Eltham said she's new to the seed raising game and she's had great fun growing uh, hakeas, banksias and billy buttons. Oh, bless uh, her. Yeah, and some yeah. veggies. So she uses perlite with a sprinkling of vermiculite over the top. Yep. Well done, Nicola. Keep going. Uh, and someone's asked for our email address again. So our email address is gardening at 3cr.org.au. Yeah, the, the, the vermiculite and perlite, so, so much of this is climatic. For me, I can never get it to dry out here. Yeah, so I used to, when I was at the gardens, we used, and Karanga Nursery uses a mix of vermiculite and perlite for all of their propagating, yeah. seeds mm -hmm. and cuttings. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have a rear, I don't like it at all, but I, I understand that that's purely because of my climate. Mm. I just don't get it to dry out. Yeah, It's the same with my cuttings, I won't use it. It does hold the moisture so very well, which is That's great right. for people who yeah. are struggling against heat. In a drier climate, perfect. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. My preference is for pumice. Oh right. And yeah. what sort of what size are the pumice? Um, oh, one to five, pumice. one to six mil, yep. thereabouts. Very small. Yeah. 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 Uh, because I can get that to dry out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I must say thank you so much for you both for jumping on to Zoom with me this morning. I have certainly learnt a lot um, and I think our listeners have learnt a lot as well. Thank you to everyone for participating in the show. Uh, lots of phone calls and lots of messages. It's been a lot of fun. Doug, thank you for taking all of them. Thank you to Liz, uh, who does our socials, and everyone at 3CR who helps keep the show up and running. Um, Craig Wilson has Gentiana Nursery up in Alinda. He's open every day except Tuesday. 
Merrill Johnson has country farm perennials, but he's into the seed growing or seed selling game now. And seedscape.net.au is the way to contact her. So yeah, I know what I'll be doing this evening. Sowing <laughs> seeds? Scouring <laughs> seedscape. <laughs> I think I better check it out as I'll well. I'll more up Absolutely. for you today, right? <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much to you both. This has been so much fun. The Gardening Show will be back again next Sunday morning at 7.30. Um, Get out to some open gardens and check out the Yarra Valley Plant Fair and grab some tickets for that too. We'll all be up there at some point. So enjoy and we'll see you later. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.